All right, recording started. I can edit this, so not a big sure. deal. Um, all right, uh, I have John with me here. Um, thanks for coming on the Dry Fasting Club interview portion. You are technically the first interviewer for the Dry Fasting Club, and uh, we're hoping to turn this into something that is on a weekly or biweekly basis. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. Of course, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so dry fasting is kind of a crazy thing. I don't think there's uh, too much information about it out there. And mm -hmm. if people do uh, look online and go on YouTube, I think uh, your video is one of the better ones out there. And mm -hmm. you, you're one of the rare people who have actually documented a seven day dry fast and you've documented it daily and you've even done a post fast documentation. So, so this would be really great. Uh, I do have a few questions for you. Um, and yeah, I think it would be great to get your knowledge, even though, can you tell us when was the last, the last time you did a dry fast? The last time I did a dry fast was, I believe I did one day dry during a fast in November of last year in 2022 in preparation for uh, a journey I was taking down to Peru for um, a plant medicine ceremony in the Amazon jungle. Oh, that's awesome. Was that a requirement or was that just something that you wanted to do? Just something that I do personally. In fact, um, the fasting is something that just is intuitively what I prefer for plant medicine ceremonies and something that I teach as well as a way to just completely empty the vessel and and clear the static so that way the bandwidth is is fully open for the connection with the the plant or with your own inner being yeah awesome can you before i guess before we continue can you tell us about yourself like uh your diet your lifestyle philosophical views favorite hobbies yeah yeah absolutely so i am a strength and performance coach and a yoga teacher and i in college studied kinesiology and psychology human development and uh, i was working as an intern strength coach as well as a personal trainer there so my shoe in the door is definitely strength and performance and exercise science as my my foundation that was you know 2010 is when i started working as a strength coach and uh then in 2013, I actually recreationally with buddies in college took some mushrooms, no intention behind them, no level of awareness at that point. I was really in full transparency, rock bottom. I was partying and drinking all the time, just running away, ultimately hiding from uh, my own purpose and path and, and past. And uh, my inner being came in very strong and the come down with those mushrooms and basically scolded me. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you running away from your destiny? You've got a purpose and uh, it's time to put your pants on and grow up. And it was like a big, wow. Okay. It was a very humbling experience. It was like the red pill moment. And, uh, I got my shit together. I started, um, at that point, I was working out and training, playing semi-pro football, and um, I 
never had taken nutrition seriously, diet seriously. And, um, I like made fun of people that ate vegetables and I just lifted heavy weight. And, uh, that was like a big wake up cue where I started, uh, eating real food. I made the commitment after that experience. Like I have to purify my vessel. And I didn't even know at that level, I wasn't even able to articulate it in that way, but I knew that I needed to heal and, and, you know, take this seriously. And I knew if I wanted to be one of the best in the world that, you know, you can't out train a bad diet, all those things. Um, I had to really learn and, and apply nutrition. And so nutrition and then journaling was the other major tool that I implemented at that time and started really asking the deeper introspective questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What the hell just happened? <laughs> and uh, then a couple months later, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear was a quote that had kind of come to me in that time frame. And then my boss at the time at the, the university recreational center where I was a personal trainer approached me and he said, Hey, do you want to teach yoga? We're looking to increase our male student body for yoga and we'll certify you for free. And I thought at the time, sweet, I can get paid to do physical therapy. That's going to help me, you know, for football. And it was all physical athletic based at that time. And six months later, after practicing and teaching regularly, I started to have an awakening of consciousness. And I was, I remember specifically, there was one class where I was teaching and I was on the mat teaching to the students, but my awareness was almost third person, you know, kind of above me looking down at me. And I was aware of my body and I was aware of me teaching to the room, but I was also aware of this greater perspective, this witness perspective. And, uh, that's when I just kind of made like, wow, there's something to this. I want to go deeper. And, uh, so that is really what then began my journey of like deeper work. And then this was probably 2016 or 2017. I came across fasting and I was already intermittent fasting from 2013. I guess that was one thing that I started to apply with the, the change in my diet. I, I practice jerf, just eat real food. That's the nutrition strategy I use with my clients and it's catchy and it's simple and it is relative to the earth and, and whole foods. And it, it gets a lot of the bullshit out of the way right away with vegan carnivore. It's like, why don't we just start eating food first before we start talking about like keto processed bars or whatever, like let's get back to the root of things. And um, so I started intermittent fasting. I was doing that from 2013 onward for, you know, five, six years, something like that, five years probably. And so, and then 2016, 2017, I came across more extended fasting. I started looking into the research and I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And the first fast I did was a three day water fast. And, uh, that was really eye opening. That's like what got me into fasting at that point. And, uh, from there, I've done lots of fasts, water fasts, dry fasts, and actually have run fasting retreats out here where I live now in Maui, Hawaii. Oh, really? And, uh, a I, component. That's of cool. Yeah. What I teach. You you run fasting retreats uh, currently, or that's something you did before? I was doing it before COVID. COVID hit. I had to stop doing in-person retreats, and uh, 
now it's back on the board and I actually have a retreat out here in June. It's a, a men's retreat and uh, it's holistic health and wellness and uh, with, with a focus on spirituality. And we actually will be going into uh, a fast during the retreat in preparation for a plant medicine ceremony with mushrooms. And so, um, you know, tying in a lot of those concepts together, I think from the lens of trying to connect to a deeper level of the soul rather than doing it for physical benefits is, is really where fasting to me has the most value. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, so then you found dry fasting, you were getting to that, but I cut you off a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, that was, that was a, a great summary of that point. I mean, there's, there's so many revelations that come with fasting. I mean, it, it, one of the biggest reasons that I got into it was around conditioning and uh, heavy in law and neural networks and how what gets fired together gets wired together. You become what you repeatedly do. And all of this conditioning that we acquire through our developmental experience then kind of sets the tone for how we think, feel and behave in the future. And unless you do some synaptic pruning unless you decondition unless you unlearn there's no space for the energy to move into what is wanted you know the soul's highest inspired desires and fasting was really intriguing to me in that way where it's a pattern interrupt you are literally stopping doing what you one of the things you do the most throughout the day which is eating and uh that was like one of my biggest takeaways from my first fast is like how many times i went to the fridge in the first couple of days and like opened the fridge and totally unconsciously and then like oh wow like no i'm not eating that's right and then like all of the the mind it's all mind and all of these thoughts that would come up around food and the cravings and that little smeagol mind that's like want 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 my precious um was really fascinating to me and so i i started you know performing water fasts regularly i was just drinking water um you know i did a, a couple of those a few of those a year uh, 2016 2017 2018 2018 i did a five-day water fast in preparation for a retreat i was going on in india yoga retreat and uh, that was the most profound fast at that point, going five days, just water and the clarity that I had, the energy that I had and how easy it really was like the, the, for me, I guess, you know, at this point already having a, a strong foundation, physically a healthy body because of a sound diet and sound uh, movement and exercise routine and, and living a healthy life it wasn't, you know, a huge detoxification process for me. I didn't notice like a, any kind of like serious physical uh, ailments, you know, going on during a fast, like some people will uh, experience and, and, you know, observe, but the, uh, the benefits like were just incredible. I was noticing much more clarity of thought, more productivity. Like one of the biggest takeaways was how much time and attention we give to the consuming process food but everything in general as as you extrapolate that but um you know we think about what we're going to eat we go to the store we buy the food we come home we cook the food we eat the food we do the dishes we digest the food and it's hours and hours a day that we're spending 
in this process and like not eating, I was actually still had the same amount of energy. I wasn't tired. I wasn't really changing the way I was living my life. So I had like two, three extra hours a day. And like, especially in the first fast, I would like try to distract myself. So I was like cleaning the house, doing all these things, getting stuff done. And like still I'd have like an hour left over. I'm like, what do I do with all this time? And so there's just so many revelations that were coming through there. And uh, then uh, let me just in, jump in for something. So you, yeah. you did your first five day water fast. How'd you prep for it? Or did you do you do anything like take supplements? Or is there any reason it was easier than for other people that you think? I think just because I had the foundation of uh, sound physical health through consistent exercise, movement, um, and a healthy whole foods diet without any, um, you know, consistent intake of artificial foods mm -hmm. or inflammatory foods. And so my body already physiologically was functioning well and had over the long course of, you know, the years, slowly, incrementally and consistently detoxified to where by the time I had gotten to, you know, any kind of serious extended fasts, there wasn't like any kind of like big purges that needed to occur because I was already consistently, you know, detoxifying over several years and, and had come to a much more a healthy place by then. So I had the foundation and especially yeah. yoga meditation too. Like a huge part of that practice is emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I was also in, a, in the right place, journaling, contemplation, reflection, you know, I was doing the things that allowed me to, you know, feel competent and comfortable and sure in, you know, my health, I, I had built that ability of self-inquiry to listen to my body you know, that, you know, told me like, okay, it's time to break the fast or like, you know, this is, this is not right at this time or whatever, but I, I never did anything like in major preparation for the fasts. I would just essentially start drinking water when, when I would go into the fast, but there was no like major preparation at that point for the water fasts. Right. Yeah. And what people don't understand is how important it is to detox and to live a a life with a healthy diet that's basically your best preparation for these things um but i guess i was kind of asking are you kind of a proponent of the snake juice have you heard of uh supplementing with like salts during a water fast to make it super easy yeah yeah and actually that is something that i recommend of getting electrolytes in and i've personally noticed and the the science is sound that if you've got electrolytes in the body I mean, sodium and potassium run action potentials essentially and you know to have those on hand when you're not getting any other source of fuel or resource just made sense to me and so i wasn't i was already putting salt in my water years before i had heard of the snake diet um cole robinson and um you know any kind of dry fasting and work that he had done i didn't even actually hear about that until my seven day dry fast when i was just doing personal mm -hmm. research during that time but, um, yeah, I was already putting salt, you know, in my water prior for training and so on. Just like look at Powerade, you know, it's electrolytes, but it also has a shitload of high fructose corn syrup. So just like take out the bad stuff, keep the electrolytes in. That just made sense to me with my exercise physiology background. Yeah, totally. Um, so we, both you and I know that during a dry fast, you don't take electrolytes. Um, so that's a huge difference, but, um, a lot of people that water fast swear by by the electrolytes and you've been taking it before 
and then you found out about it. Cole Robinson, another guy who is, I think he popularized dry fasting a lot. And you, but you yeah. didn't hear about him. So how did you find dry fasting if you heard about him only on your dry fast? Mm-hmm. You know, thinking back now, I'm not 100% positive. The only, um, the reference that I have in the moment that I can remember is uh, it was, this was in 2019 at this point, I had moved out to Maui and uh, I was planning to do a fast. And I'm, I believe what happened is a friend of mine, she was doing a fast and I can't remember if she was doing a water fast or a dry fast, but um I just felt and it it rung the resonance bell and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel like it's intuitively time to do a fast. And typically I I it's more of like that self-inquiry listening experience. And um, there's some interesting context to this fast around the dry fast of like the why that I I wasn't quite sure of at that time, but uh there was um some level of inspiration that I had to do a fast. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a seven day water fast. And I think my longest was a five day at that point. I was like, I'm gonna do a seven day water fast. And uh I don't I can't remember. I believe it was the master fast system that I came across uh that originally got me uh intrigued on dry fasting. Um, you know, and I've never followed that protocol, but it's like Concord grapes and uh, grape juice and like some other things. I don't even remember exactly, but I just had remembered, you know, essentially what stands out in the moment is dry fasting is it's like one day of dry fasting is worth three days of water fasting, which I'm sure is very arbitrary in many ways, but it's an accelerated way to enhance autophagy and, and uh, other things. And so that was interesting to me. And I figured, okay, well, I'm going to do this seven day dry uh, water fast but I'll kick it off with one day dry. I never had the intent of doing a seven day dry fast. And uh, so this was my first experience with dry fasting actually. And I'd maybe done like a 24 hour dry fast before, but I, I don't even remember that specifically, but um, you know, I'm really healthy at this point, you know, living the lifestyle. And uh, so I decided, okay, I'll kick it off with one day dry. And I did the first day dry. And by the end of the day, I was like, wow, I feel pretty good let's just go another day. And when my energy dips and when I start to feel, you know, any symptoms of lethargy, then I'll implement the water and continue the fast from there. And really it just continued on every single day where I would wake up and ask my body, are we going to drink water today? Should I drink water today? And I just got a clear no every day. And so I just listened and I was like, okay, we keep going. And day one and day two were great. Day three was great. Uh, day four, I had lower energy levels. Day five, I felt great. Day six, I had a little bit lower energy levels. And day seven, I felt great. And like I was still running online appointments. Um, you know, my workflow didn't change that much. I, f- I think I also like shot a video series during that time, did like a podcast interview on Ikigai and like, I'm, as you're aware, when you're fasting, the channel is really open. So flow state, you know, occurs. And I was just like rolling, like I could really feel the energy and the connection. And um, notably, all I was really the, the like major things that stand out of what I did during that dry fast was number one, waking up and doing uh, Kriya Pranayama yoga in the morning, yoga and meditation, essentially a specific type of yoga with breath work and meditation involved. And, you know, 
it as you know my my path is with yoga um learning about these ancient sages that could essentially look at the sun and absorb prana or chi or life force energy from the ether from the the field without consuming any food or water and they could live for you know these extended periods of time and so i thought that was really interesting and that was notably true for me on that dry fast on day two and day four or excuse me day four and day six i believe were the two days that i did not do my yoga meditation practice in the morning and the breath work and so i wasn't absorbing that source of fuel in that way and when you're not getting anything else my tank was definitely low and the second variable was sunlight I was going for a walk, about 30 to 60 minute walk. It was like 40 minute, probably average walk every day in the sunlight. And that I also could tell was a significant source of energy that I was receiving. And so, you know, I was really just consuming light and air or, you know, the the energy from the field during that fast. And the days that I did not do that, I noted a a definite dip in energy and more lethargy during that fast. But the other days it was not hard, you know, and like everybody, you know, questions me on that, but that's, again, I attest to the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual foundation that I already had. And the intent going into the fast was to connect and deepen my own self-awareness rather than to like in Cole Robinson's case, a lot of people that come across dry fasting and the snake juice diet, it's because they want to lose a bunch of weight. And so it's physically focused and, you know, like with most diet plans and nothing against Cole. And I don't know what his stats are like, it'd be difficult to track, but I'd be interested on a longitudinal follow-up with everybody that's done a dry fast from the physical perspective, because 90% of all diet and workout programs that people perform the weight they lose, they gain back and oftentimes Mm -hmm. more. And it's because of this unhealthy perspective of I'm going to do this thing, this pill, this thing will fix me. And that's one of the biggest things I've seen on my YouTube channel of people asking questions of how much weight did you lose? And you know, it's all physically perspective. And like, if I have this disease and I've had clients come to me and basically say, teach me how to dry fast so I can heal this problem. I tell them that's not why you should be dry fasting. In my opinion, you got to get, that's like, you know, saying take this supplement and it'll fix your shitty diet. Like, you know, you can have a boat with golden nails built with shitty wood and it's going to leak water. You can have a boat with good wood and regular nails and it's going to hold water and the regular the the wood is the diet and the main big pieces that you need to get in line first i think fasting is more of something that's like an advanced practice dry fasting specifically i think you know water fasting isn't quite as intense and can have a lot of detoxification benefits i think dry fasting is something that is actually more of an advanced technique that is you know something that will you know deepen your awareness of self and should be used in that fashion, more self-exploration rather than healing. I'm trying to fix a problem that I have or cure a disease. Not that it can't do that, but it's a slippery slope because you're outsourcing to something outside of yourself. And that's just like, I see that being in this industry and working with clients, fix me, have something else, somebody else outside of myself, fix my problem. And it's like, actually, nutrition is mind. Like, why are you 400 pounds first? 
you know, yeah, we can talk about fasting, but like we need to work on the conditioning and all those things. And that again is where I think fasting has the benefit in the, the neural conditioning, but it's not the thing that's going to fix your problem. Right. Totally agree. What about, um, fasting being like a stepping stone to fixing your other issues to digging deep inside of you and just helping you tackle mental issues, physical issues. hundred percent that as the complement to the other things, like if you're smoking cigarettes, watching porn and playing video games and you want to fast to lose weight, you you're missing the boat. You know, if you like, I honestly want to take a look at myself and, and accept that I've got work to do and I'm willing to do that work in all areas of my life, then fasting becomes a wonderful tool on the tool belt, but a hammer can't screw in a screw. You know, it's one of the tools and has a specific intent that can work. Its purpose is to do certain things and it's really effective at doing those things, but it can't do everything. And people, I think, especially on that uh, Cole Robinson train, I, I, you know, he's, he's abrasive and he is definitely not going to resonate with everybody, but I kind of like that, like that as a strength coach in me, like that kind of energy and mentality, it's like, cool, that makes sense. I can take that, you know? And I think that's a good wake up call for a lot of people. But I also think people again, will be like dry fasting is the cure all panacea. And it's actually just one of the tools that can be used to complement all the other thing. It's the nails. It's not the wood for the boat. Yep, totally. Well, let's move on to a few questions I had for you about dry fasting. Um, actually, you mentioned something earlier. You said that uh, you were talking about prana energy and you were talking about walking and being in the sun. And you mentioned that there were days where you didn't do it. What happened on those days? Did you just stay indoors or what was going on? Yeah. Yeah, more workflow and, and like specifically off the top, I couldn't remember, but I'm I'm sure I mentioned in the in the vlog videos, but I think it just I had more work that like morning appointments, so I couldn't do the meditation at that time and then like got in workflow and didn't do it later, or had afternoon calls and, and couldn't, you know, go outside for the walk. But it was just notably those two days were the days where I had more lethargy for sure. And it was it was more of the grind that people typically talk about with dry fasting where it's like you got to rest because you're going to feel tired and it's sluggish and all that. And like the other five days, I really didn't feel that. And even on day seven, I intuitively, I could have kept going. And that's actually when I got the download from body wisdom, intuition, spirit that was like, no, you're good. Break the fast. And I was like, but now like, I feel good. Let's keep going. And I was like, no, it's not about ego. It's not about how long you can go. We can always do another fast. It's time to break it now. And it was actually funny. I was going for a walk and, uh, the clouds had settled down to the the ground level and uh, i lived at that time like kind of up the volcano a little bit to where the clouds would settle down when it got cooler and it'd be kind of like this foggy mist on the ground in the clouds and because i was doing a hard dry fast and had no water exposure whatsoever for those seven days it was a trip man i could feel my skin absorbing yeah. the water and it was literally like i could feel myself and i felt like mario when he eats the mushroom and grows, boop, 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 boop. I could feel all my energy levels like, and it was just at that point, I was like, okay, this is kind of like, I'm breaking the fast kind of in a way. Like I can feel, you know, I can feel different systems in my body turning on now that have been off for the seven days. And so it's like, I could have kept going, but to me that felt like a clear indicator of like, okay, this is time. Like I'm, I'm systems are changing. I'm turning, okay, let's move towards the reintroduction of water at that point. Wow, that's really interesting because 
when you start looking into some people that go for those 12 to 20 days dry fast, because there's a lot of people that claim they, they've gone that far, almost every single one of them mentions that they've done it around bodies of water. So you saying you actually felt it being absorbed, that's kind of where some people are like, are you still really dry fasting uh, when you're on 15 days, but you're just standing in fog in the morning fog and just absorbing that with your body but that's really interesting and that's something we need to look into i think the general consensus here is that at that point you're so deep in the dry fast that it just this it'll help you keep going further and you'll still take in the benefits so that's really interesting i wonder at what point it becomes too much because you said you literally stepped into the clouds and you felt mm -hmm. you felt your body just absorb all that water. So that's really cool. Yeah, 100%. And like, I totally agree with you. It's like a spectrum, you know, of like, it's not like, oh, the fast is over and I've lost all the benefits of dry fasting. And like, it would be like starting over at day one because I absorbed, you know, an ounce of water or something like that. But more to just like the fascinating level of intelligence of the body of like, okay, we're not getting it here where else can we get it you know and like that was that was amazing to me and even also doing the research during the dry fast i was peeing 28 ounces about every day at a mason jar and i was just measuring the levels of pee every day and i was peeing 28 30 32 ounces of water essentially every single day almost exactly which then you know reading more about the the physiology where your body actually will take hydrogen molecules from your fat cells and cleave them into and move them, shuttle them into the bloodstream where oxygen is prevalent and oxygen and hydrogen molecules binding together creates water. And that made sense to me because you're burning all this fat, but still peeing out all this water. And so that just like intuitively made sense in the moment of how your body is able to actually adapt on the fly and continue to survive by turning fat into water like that was just like mind-blowing to me yeah that, that is crazy and i had a note here because i watched i went through some of your videos and in your seventh day one you are what's crazy is most people when they get to that seven day and up they don't really want to record anything at that point you're just you're kind of in this zone and you don't really care about producing content anymore you're just enjoying life you're just full full of like i don't even know the words but that's i think this is a reason why so many we don't we don't get all this content past seven eight days it's just so hard to produce I, you know where i'm coming from with this um totally yeah i, I think out of the mind. yeah you you mentioned in your seventh day that you there was really not a lot you were like I, I can't really continue this video. I don't really want to continue this video. I just feel great. I can't believe that I'm here on the seventh day. And you said um, you were surprised that the human body can reach it. And you said that I can keep going. But something's telling me that I set my goal for seven days. I'm reaching that 24-hour mark. And I'm going to be ending it. But you were surprised yourself how great you felt and how you could keep going. But astonished. That was astonished. really cool. I didn't feel much different at all. And like, I was still working on the computer. I wasn't doing any like physical labor, but I, I like a counter to what, you know, and I was receiving texts at that time, like, you're going to die. You need to drink water. I'm so scared for your safety. And, and I was like, actually, I feel better than ever. And I, you know, kind of touching on that point, especially with my experience with 
uh, plant medicine, psychedelics, and yoga meditation. There are many paths to the same forest, and I think fasting is one of those opportunities that allows you to uh, dissolve the separation between self and other, and that was extremely apparent on those last couple of days where, like, I was so connected to the field of, like, I could just – the grass – the oneness, the feeling of oneness, which is the the last step in yoga, samadhi, where you're merging with the 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 one, the transcendent all, and there is no separation between self and other. And I really felt that of like grass. It was just like I could see the grass on the right, and then me, and then the grass on the left, and there was no grass, me, grass. It was just a field of consciousness that existed all at once and i think that's why it's difficult at that point to to create content because you're not really in your mind you're just being and there's no desire because there's no ego there's mm -hmm. no desire to do anything because there is no doing you're just being at that point and that's the field of oneness that is that state that can occur through deep transcendent meditations or psychedelics or you know even you know experiences near death experiences or birthing experiences or things like fasting yeah what about uh i think we kind of talked about this but what's your favorite dry fasting memory from that seven day dry fast and was that your only seven day dry fast was that your longest yeah. one yeah, that was the longest one. And uh, I've done a few three day dry fast since and that's kind of like, for me intuitively, when I feel the the calling to fast is just like what comes upon. But um, I do have a favorite memory. I feel like it's it's so relevant because it's so unique. And again, like I'm I'm kind of coming in with a foundational level of experience and awareness from these other practices that allowed me, I think, to tap into deeper layers quicker and easier than than most would, especially not wanting to try to get anything out of the fast itself or fix anything. I just felt inspired intuitively to do the fast. But I what I feel was the reason why I had this intuitive impulse was because there was something in my body that I was trying to get rid of. And I, on the fifth day, and I talk about this in, in the vlogs, I believe it was the fifth day. I think it was the, the night of the fourth. I think it was the morning of the fifth day. Let's say I started noticing like some, just like light pangs in my stomach, kind of like what some would explain as like the, the kind of like suction feeling when you get hungry and you feel like, and like the pulling feeling of like that vacuum kind of sensation. It was kind of like that, but like a little bit of abdominal tightness almost. So I remember getting down. I have a, like a little uh, soft Pilates ball and gut smashing as a technique. If anyone's aware where you like, it's like foam rolling essentially, but um, on your organs and your viscera from rib cage to pelvis. And it's, it's a really great down regulation technique. And uh, it's great to massage all that area, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor and the organs. And so I was, I'd felt a little bit of that discomfort. So I got on the ball, I was moving around. I could feel some, you know, stuff. And I was like, okay, no big deal. Nothing really happened. But then the fifth day, at the end of the fifth day, it was like nine o'clock and I'm on the computer. And I was like, okay, it's time for bed. And close the laptop. The sensation of like, oh, I got a shit. And I hadn't pooped. I think I maybe <laughs> pooped day one. And, and then like no poop the rest of the time. I was peeing normally, but I wasn't pooping. And, um, End of day five, I was like, oh, and that's a poop feeling. I, that's a poop. I got to poop, you know, but it wasn't like knocking at the door ready to go. So I was like, okay, interesting. And I went to bed and that night I shot out of bed at like 2 a.m. And I was like, 
I got to poop right now. And I like ran downstairs and got on the toilet. And then when I sat down on the toilet to poop, it wasn't coming out. And probably, I don't know, I was sleeping and in this dry fasting state. So I'm already in this like liminal space. And uh, I just started talking to my body and to this substance inside of me. And I'm like, thanks, but it's time for you to go. You're not welcome here anymore. And I want you to leave. And I sat there for another minute or so. And then I took this poop and it was the one of the most euphoric experiences I've ever had. I literally on the toilet <laughs> cried one solo tear, like cliche tear of joy and felt this like biochemical rush. Elation is like the best way I describe it of just like relief. And I, it was uh, the way I can describe it. I had my psoas released for the first time on a massage table years prior same thing. I was like, and I like drove home like high giddy laughing like that felt insane. Like this some relief that I just never experienced at that level. It was just like that. And so I was curious, right? Scientifically observing. So I get out the plunger and I'm like, what was in that thing? And I like broke it up because I'm like, obviously all the readings about parasites and stuff. And so I like broke open the poop and like, and the consistency of it tmi everybody so strap in it was like very silty it was like if you're if you were to go to like a riverbed and like scoop the the sand or the dirt from the bottom and it's not mud but it's not dirt either and it's like particulate but like really fine particulate it was like very silty and uh I also noticed there was a lot of globules on the top of the water, almost like I had poured a couple of shots uh, or tablespoons of olive oil on mm. the top of the water. It just looked like these fat globules and the poop was just like this silty thing and everything that I read on it, you know, the, the best thing I didn't find any eggs or any worms or anything, but there was clearly my body was like, so glad that got out, whatever that was. So I'm sure there was something in there and everything that I've looked into was, relating to it being a biofilm you know which you know is is some kind of like little bubble with stuff in there that you don't want in your body and uh so that was like the the most crazy experience of that thing and i felt just like so elated after that it was it was absolutely crazy i just i couldn't believe the sensation that i had felt and like pooping at the end of day five which, you know, looking into the research of like parasites can live off water and they'll stay as long as they can. But at the point when they know they can't live there anymore, they're going to dip or they die and then you excrete. And I feel like that's it just they were holding on until the end of day five, whatever that was, residual fecal matter. I don't know, but it was like the end of day five. It took that long and whatever came out it was that was meant to come out and it felt amazingly better after that it was just an absolutely trip of an experience it was like almost psychedelic poop it was wild yeah that is wild uh and because i think usually in dry fests people don't go to the toilet i think that they'll go through like 10 12 days and not go once but it does happen sometimes and i guess even healthy people these parasites can cling on to you. You can have a healthy diet and everything, but and and live pretty healthily. But you could have parasites that create biofilms, like you said. Uh, you could have mucus-related parasites that are so deep in there, like you've truly got to dry the hell out of them. Uh, so so that is interesting. Uh, just personally, um, if I prep for a dry fast, I actually don't go to the bathroom uh, during the whole fast. 
Uh, I don't think I have in a long time. But by prepping, I mean I'll take like a laxative for a few days before and stuff like that. So I try and clean it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that I think a lot of dry fasters are probably going to relate to on their first one or two dry fasts, uh, and they'll be really shocked when they do go to the bathroom. So I love that that you can explain that so well. Uh, it's kind of scary too. I mean, you're not drinking anything for five days. Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that that means that's been in there for God knows how long. You yeah. Know? Like, like, where was that thing? How deep in there was that? So a big thing is people are going to be shocked that even if you're leading a healthy lifestyle and you believe you're healthy, and then you this dry fast can actually go so deep that you don't even know modern medicine can't help you. The, all your blood tests will come back, come back healthy, but there's stuff that are potentially living inside of you. And a dry fast is something I would recommend for a lot of people. Yeah, um, coming back around to the intuitive impulse to do that fast, the best download that I can, that, that makes sense to me that, that uh, resonated after reflection was prior to this dry fast, like within the 90 days prior, I was intimate with this woman who had previously just come back from a trip to Thailand and had, she wasn't confirmed, but she had um, expected that she got parasites because she was like always having this bloated belly issue. And like, no matter what she ate, she was like trying on, she's like, oh, maybe it's FODMAS, why it's all this stuff. But she was having all these GI issues and bloat issues in her stomach. And my guess is that I may have picked those up from her through, you know, the physical intimacy that we had. And my body was intuitively like, yo, we got to get that out. And this is how you're going to do it. And that's the only thing that I can think of. Cause other than that, like, you know, like you said, you can, you can contract parasites in so many ways. I mean, 95 plus percent of the population likely has parasites or at least has in, in some point in their life. And so, yeah, that that's the only thing that I could think of that it was from like intuitively my body, you know, engaged with her and potentially picked up a parasite from her. And at the point my body was like, okay, after she and I had split and then my body was like, okay, now we need to deal with this. Yeah, totally. What's your diet like, or at least what was it when you were dry fasting? Did it change? No, no. My diet's been pretty consistent for years. Going back to the jerk philosophy, um, anti-inflammatory diet would be a good way to explain it. But um, I look at nutrition as, you know, uh, an aspect of us, you know, with, with the path of yoga, you start to see yourself in everything. And, uh, you know, food is an expression of nature. It's an expression of the earth. And, you know, we are too, you know, and so you are what you eat, you know, in that literal sense where your body takes food and turns it into a human body. Like that's just crazy to think about that transmutation process that's occurring. You could break it down and, and reduce it as much as you want. We're taking like Sadhguru has a great line. He's like, you take bread and turn it into a human. Like that's crazy. That, that level of intricacy and intelligence that's occurring. And so I'm really big on eating things that are completely whole food, natural food. So um, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, organic. And I even go as to the layer again of like really from the level of awareness and connection that, you know, we should be supporting the earth. And so where we spend, and I talk a lot about this, of you vote with your dollar, you vote with your attention. And so I buy my food from 
the farmer's market. I buy 90 plus percent of my food local. I get my uh, animal products. I, I eat primarily really nothing else as far as my animal products. I eat wild axis deer from the island that I, I have a couple hunter buddies that hunt the deer and I eat the deer here. So it's wild game and then wild caught fish off of the island from one of the local fishermen and then pasture raised farm raised eggs from a biodynamic full organic farm. And so, you know, that's really big to me is, you know, cutting out the middleman and knowing your knowing where your food comes from, you know, you can either pay the farmer or you can pay the doctor. It's your choice. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so I think that's like such a big part of the conversation around Jerf is like, just start eating real food. Like can, can you Google farmers in your area and stop buying, you know, your produce from Safeway that's actually coming from an international company flying on a jet, getting sprayed with some kind of cleaner spray that's killing the microbes, you know, that's actually like fostering the health in your system because you're outnumbered 10 to one by the, the, you know, different types of bacteria and cells that are in your body. So that's like a big part of the conversation. And so my diet is, you know, organic fruits and vegetables, um, wild caught game, wild caught fish, um, and, and farm raised eggs. And then, uh, for fats, avocados, coconut oil, uh, fresh pressed olive oil, um, butter, ghee, grass fed butter and ghee, uh, making sure just to get all three types of the fats, saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated nuts and seeds. And, um, yeah, carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, starches, potatoes, carrots, beets. Um, you know, I don't eat a lot of rice. I, I have nothing against rice, white rice, brown rice, doesn't matter. There's, there's a lot of variability there on how you absorb the actual food. Um, but quinoa, my, I seem to digest quinoa better than I do rice. So I'll eat quinoa more, but um, that's pretty much my diet. It makes up the proteins, carbs, and fats. Perfect. Uh, if I'm just going to go through a few other questions I had here. Uh, a big one I usually have that I like to ask people is what would your advice be for someone that wants to dry fast? So let's say they've already done a little bit of research. Let's say they've done a little bit of intermittent fasting. Uh, maybe they've water fasted, but what, what should they do if they can't take off any time for like a week off during the dry fast, but they need to heal? What would you tell them to do? That's such a great question because that comes up on my YouTube so much and it's really difficult to answer. Typically the blatant, the, the blanket uh, kind of like liability answer I give is it's different for everybody. Bioindividuality is so key. There's so many factors involved. What's the trauma? of that human? What's the real deep intent that they're coming into the fast? Are they trying to have something outside of themselves fix them? Or are they coming in with a curious, you know, um, investigative, you know, desire to just become healthier and learn more about themselves and like optimize their life quality. So it's, I think a lot of it is mindset, you know, if they're coming in from at those boxes, I would say, get your shit right first before you even consider dry fasting. Like, what are you eating? You know, are you, are you regularly moving your body and exercising? You're getting sunlight. Are you touching the earth with your skin regularly? You know, like some of those things, it's like, before we fast, like, let's just like become human again, you know, like let's, let's look at 
how we have, you know, because that's the thing, right? Is we're so disconnected from being a human and how we've evolved to live over the last 450,000 years of human evolution to where now over the last 150 years of industrialization, we've gotten so disconnected from what it means to be a healthy human, like well-being, being well, that it's like fasting. You've gone so far one way, you're looking for this extreme thing on the other side. It's To me, it's the same thing as like dudes now, testosterone replacement therapy. Like you're taking steroids, dude. Like at the end of the day, like that's not the solution. That's a band-aid. Like dry fasting isn't necessarily going to like cure all your problems. Like you're still going to have to deal with your shit at the end of the day. And so if you're coming in with a big bag of shit and expecting dry fasting to be the solution, you're probably not going to have that great of a time. And it might not even really do much for you. And, or you're going to be right back where you were three, six months later after that dry fast. Anyway, you may have some great epiphanies and stuff, but it's, you're still going to have to, it's the same thing with psychedelics too. You know, I'm going to have this plant medicine heal me. And it actually like sets, it brings up all the shit that you didn't deal with and actually like puts you in more of a tailspin because you didn't have the foundation prior. And so I think that's the slippery slope. And especially when you hear these cases of people getting really sick or dying, it's like, well, you weren't ready for that. You know, you tried to skip steps. There's no skipping steps. And so if you come at the appropriate level, like to me, like dry testing, like I said, is advanced. It's like high school kind of stuff. If you haven't Past the first eight grades, like don't do dry fasting yet. Like hire a, a health coach that can like actually help you address some of the like first easier things to deal with. Like, you know, like stop eating Cheetos before you dry fast, you know, like get your diet right. Once you come clean and you're ready for that higher level, I think the biggest thing is to come in with intention and, and some level of of investigation, you know, like same thing I tell people with plant medicine is write some questions down. What are you trying to get out of it? What do you want to learn? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Because this is a stepping stone, a medium to help you get there. And if you're clear about where you want to go, then the fast, the, 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 plant medicine, whatever it is, the technique, the the teaching is going to help facilitate getting you where you want to go. I think Seneca is no wind is favorable to uh, a ship without a destination. You know, if you're just doing dry fasting to fix the problem, it's not going to help. But if you're ready and you have a destination where you want to go, like, I want to learn more about this. I want to, I want to, you know, investigate this or like for me, it was just like a desire to deepen my understanding of self and see what the potential was, the capacity was of the human organism. And what about meditation? How important do you think meditation is for fasting, health, and I guess any form of fasting? That's so funny. I'm like kind of almost having a deja vu moment right now because I knew this was going to come up. And in that prior question, if there was like one thing, which I'm never a one thing guy, I would say meditation would be the thing to really bring into this space. And again, the same thing with all these other mediums as well. And, and that's where meditation is really just one pointed focus as taught in yoga, which then is a means to an end to, to deconcentration or no pointed focus, which is that dissolution of self state where you start to merge with oneness, which is kind of the goal of meditation. If there is a goal of meditation is to become nothing. And, uh, you know, it's like a Buddha has a quote. He's like, what did I gain from meditation? Nothing. But I lost anger. I lost fear. I lost doubt. I lost insecurity. I got rid of all these things because meditation 
uh, is a deconditioning. It's an unlearning. It's a synaptic pruning. And so if you're going into looking at the way that I see fasting as a way to help with reconditioning and pattern interrupt and, and, um, you know, synaptic pruning meditation is one of the the best things that you can do at that same time. And thinking about you're doing less, you're not eating and you're not drinking, which takes time. And so you've got this extra time and that time that you would be eating, allocating that towards self-inquiry, whether it's a type of meditation or journaling or going for a walk, you know, walking can be, it's a beautiful meditation in that way. I think that's the the most important thing to take away from uh, fasting is to to you know use it as an opportunity to um inquire about the self deeper and meditation is obviously one of the best tools for that perfect yeah i think meditation well specifically for dry fasting when you're going those longer days um meditation is definitely key i think that it helps you get through a lot of the problems because you're going to hit roadblocks when you're fasting when people are doing water fasting for 30 days they hit some crazy roadblocks uh, and dry fasting they're sped up so just my point of view without meditation i don't think it's possible to go more than seven days or, or not mm-hmm. in a healthy way mm-hmm. yeah without forcing or having the ego take charge i'm curious yeah uh, what forms of meditation do you practice and, and how have you seen that um you know provide benefit for your own self-exploration or even assistance in the fast itself yeah so i don't follow um spiritual guidelines i'm not really well versed in like yoga and meditation practices i literally sit down and i've been doing this for a few years now and i just sit there and i let myself breathe and so i do folk concentration meditation where like i'll count my breaths and i will be present with the body and i'll create mantras before i meditate so whatever i'm going into the meditation with with what kind of what am I trying to heal? What am I trying to get out of this fast? And that's that's how I, I, I meditate. So I don't know if you can enlighten me. What am I doing? Am I doing a sort a, a sort of meditation? Like a specific one? Well, uh, that's the beauty of it. Uh, Alan Watts has a great talk on this. I, I, the art of meditation, guys. Go YouTube, the art of meditation. It's great because people think meditate. I'm going to go verb. I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to go meditate which is actually a paradox because meditation is a state. It's an effect that comes from concentration. Like I said, in yoga, there's eight limbs. And it's kind of like the eight-step process to, to reach this state of oneness, of self-realization, of dissolution of self. And uh, it, the, the sixth step is one-pointed focus, and the seventh is no-pointed focus, which no-pointed focus is actually the, the, the translation is meditation. And so it's what happens when you the state you get to after the verb of one pointed focus and exactly as you described it is exactly how i teach it of meditation via the breath where i i teach the four part breath there's four cycles to the breath the inhale the pause at the top the exhale the pause at the bottom no matter who you are and where you are that cycle is going to function in that same process over and over from the second you take the first breath in until you breathe the last breath out and that's the easiest way for me specifically to uh, meditate, to focus my concentration is just counting. Inhale, two, three, four, hold, two. Exhale, two, three, four, hold, two. Did I feed my dog today? Wait, three, four, hold, two. You know, it's just 
constantly bringing you back to something to focus on in that way of like counting sheep. But um, exactly how you said it, man, like that's, that's it. You have the intent going in of like the questions that you write down, the, the desire of, of what you're focusing on currently. And then you just go into a, you know, and mantra as well, a loose translation, but it's something like uh, mind, mind something, but it's a, a repetitive sequence that just allows the mind to concentrate on something. And so the breath itself is its own mantra, but you can use, you know, words, phrases, symbols, you know, it's just, it's reference points just to bring yourself back to one pointed focus. So then you can at another point dissolve into this new field of, of no pointed focus where you're actually, then you become meditation and the state that is elicited from that is so enjoyable and you can perceive the benefits through direct experience that you actually enjoy and want to meditate rather than are obligated to do this thing. You know, it just is the state of the natural state of who you are. And then that's where life becomes the meditation itself. So that's, that's the, the exact way that I teach meditation. Perfect. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, I've definitely over the years just become started to appreciate meditation and especially uh during fasting it just feels like it's a necessary component mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think that a yeah. lot of people do will start fasting and they won't meditate and maybe when they hear this they'll consider it a bit more but it's going to be harder i think if you first start because beginners usually get pretty frustrated with meditation mm -hmm. but I think while you're fasting, something triggers in your body and your mind that allows you to go into these deeper meditations that would take you years of just doing it normally. But meditation puts you into this flow state and people need to try to meditate when they're doing extended fasting. If they've never done it before, it's going to be easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the same thing again, too, with plant medicine ceremonies and psychedelics. That's why I think fasting is so, so powerful for that practice because again in, in the way that i see it especially the way they explain it with uh, plant medicine like ayahuasca for example is that's why they don't encourage you to eat meat and there's a specific diet prior to going into the ceremony where you're clearing the field of different layers of consciousness where for example like you eat a, a beef burger before you go into plant medicine ceremony and then your field of awareness the field of consciousness is expanded to where now you're seeing and hearing and feeling the cow in your ceremony and that's just another distortion in your field of perception. And so fasting, I think, in, in that same way that you were saying, is it clears the field and allows you to tap into one-pointed focus much easier because there's less white noise. There's less distractions in your bandwidth that are occurring. And so that's why I think it's it's like such a powerful practice to drop into those deeper states because you're, you become, you know, like Ramana Maharshi says, to become everything, first you must become nothing. And emptying yourself so you can fill yourself, you know, with, with the, the oneness of consciousness in that way. Fasting is like one of the best tools for that. And really you're literally doing nothing. You're doing less. You're emptying yourself completely. Yeah. And it's interesting. You said that you don't eat meat, uh, before your ceremony for, mm -hmm. is it like a few days before or just like a day before? Yeah, they recommend two weeks at minimum of no meat. And I typically will go more like around seven days or so, five days. But then I begin the fasting process, which the way I see it accelerates the emptying. 
So that way my field is clear in a shorter amount of time than, you know, if I were, you know, and, and again, the, they're arbitrary guidelines that, you know, do a good job blanketing the 80% of people. But um, I do see merit there to, you know, empty the field as much as possible prior to, you know, and that's the same thing preparing for a dry fast is like, don't go have McDonald's and then start your dry fast the next day. You know, that's, you're going to have not as good of a time. And I did a poll um, in uh, the dry fasting Reddit group and I had, I think 200 people answer it. And I asked, uh, how do you prepare for a dry fast? And I think 80% of the people said they don't do anything. They'll just have McDonald's and then go dry fast. Mm -hmm. So it just shows you how many people are not doing it properly. Um, but I guess if they're doing a short one day and you're young and healthy, you'll get away with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that, that was just a shoe in, you know, if that's a shoe in to get them into, you know, maybe they have some little glimmer of, of, uh, you know, some, some awareness, some insight that then like inspires them to dig deeper and start cleaning their shit up. You know, like me, I took mushrooms randomly with college in, in college with buddies, like trying to get high. And then I was like, holy shit, like I got to get my shit together, you know? And then that, now that's led me to here. So you know, I, I do believe in divine timing and synchronicities and, and alignment in that sense of, you know, there, there is this opportunity, this destiny, but I, I just to come back to that, like something you said earlier too, of people that are like, well, what if I can't take off work to fast? You're already, you're already in the trap, you know, you're already too far. Like you're, you're already looking at it wrong. If that's your perspective of like, I'm going to fast and still keep doing the whole point of fasting is to not keep doing not keep living the way that you're living like that's the quote by einstein of you know doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity where it's like how can i hold on like i'll do that but i just want to hold on to this little bit still though too and it's like no that's the point of fasting and plant medicine all of these initiatory rites and ceremonies and practices are to die it's dying, like literally physiologically, the process of fasting, autophagy is you're going through and destroying and cleaning up. It's death and rebirth, like quite literally, it's the metaphor of that process from the physiological lens, where, you know, the mind body follows mind, you know, where, where is where is our mind? It's not this local thing, like, here's the mind, you know, so there's this like, materialization, condensation of the mind into physical matter and to like hold on to these thoughts, beliefs, and stories about how I'm supposed to live my life while then trying to come at the, the physical perspective as it's the exact problem with the Western medical model of like, let's treat these symptoms and not address the root cause. Why are you mopping up the water on the floor when the sink's on overflowing, turn off the sink, you know? And that's like the whole concept of like, why am I working in this matrix job? Why am I unhealthy? Why, why do I need to do this fast to cure this problem? Because I'm living out of balance with the natural harmony of, of the, the human organism. You know, it's like that's the concept that I think needs to be the primary focus. And then fasting is a way that you can help understand what's going on over here to a better degree. Yeah, for sure. That, that's that rings uh, well with me for sure. People really, um, really think that just a day or two of fasting is going to cure everything and they're just going to go back to eating badly and living their stressful, mm -hmm. stressful life. Uh, mm -hmm. 
let me just move on with, I guess, I don't even know how long we've been doing this interview. What are we at now? Like just over almost 40 minutes. Okay. Uh, let's jump to what would you recommend as a refeeding diet or protocol right after a, a long fast? So I guess you can talk about what you did and, mm-hmm. but also what would you change if you could, mm-hmm. if you redid it? Like, was there any insight that you found? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really individualistic, but I think there is, you know, some things to consider and, you know, we can just look at it from, you know, a larger conceptual perspective of like, you know, and this is how I teach with my retreats is we, we have a really good jerky, organic, whole food, nutrient dense dinner. And then the next day we have maybe some juices, some fruit, something light and fresh and raw and then water and then dry and then we come out with water and then juice and maybe some some fresh vegetables and fruit and then back to whole food you know kind of like a day of you know liquids and then dry and then on the other side of that another day of liquids before we go right into eating a steak and uh when would that steak be would that steak be a week or two weeks later? Like, do you have kind of like a thing in mind, especially let's focus a little bit more on dry fasting. So because your retreat does what, like one day or two days of fasting and then the plant medicine, right? Yeah. Yeah. This one, this model that I'm um, doing currently coming up in June is yeah, it's uh, one day of water fasting and then plant medicine, which is another day of fasting essentially. And then at the end of that ceremony, they can break the fast with, um, some foods and uh they they have the option to dry but it's not the intense not dry the the last retreat that i'm referring to from 2019 prior to covid was uh the whole intent of the retreat was fasting and meditation so they actually had food liquids dry 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 liquids food that was the the six-day protocol there and um yeah i think it's really dependent on each person but you know depending on how you're feeling i think if you just don't engorge yourself with really heavy foods immediately after the dry fast, you're likely going to be okay, uh, depending on like where your foundation of health is. But like, for example, I had people on that fast that had never fasted before ever. And they went all four and a half days. It was, it was, it was, a uh, in total, I think it was like, uh, 196 or 108 hours or something like that we went in total but i had a couple people that never had fasted and went the whole time and felt amazing by the end of it and then reintroduced food um the we went water and then food the next day but um it was just like healthy light um fruits you know some some breakfast food smoothie kind of thing but um when i did it i did uh coming off of the dry fast i did coconut water and a salt water solution of um, sea salt, potassium chloride, and magnesium malate, which is that salt water solution that I make, which is really just for anybody that knows Element, the brand, LMNT, made by Rob Wolf. Smart dude, great guy, high integrity, healthy rebellion, highly recommend. Um, they have an electrolyte powder mix that is great, and I just deconstructed that. It's just take salts and, and put them in your water, so you're getting three forms of the major electrolytes. But I just did that. I had uh, eight ounces. I think I started the video is pretty hilarious. If you go watch how I broke my seven day dry fast on my YouTube channel, I actually like have like a laughing fit when I drink the coconut water for yeah. the first time because it was like pure euphoria. 
I was, I was like, sorry guys, this is just too, so good. And uh, yeah, the uh, I think I like I was doing four ounces of coconut water, and then I waited like 15, 30 minutes, four ounces of the salt water solution, and then another four. You know, I I would just just the whole thing. It's not like you got to wait fifteen minutes and then thirty minutes. It's just be mindful of the mm-hmm. process, and if breaking it up is helpful for you in, you know, not engorging yourself, then that's a great way to make sure that, you know, you're slowly reintroducing, you know, water and then food. But that first night I just did liquids and then liquids all the next day until that evening. So 24 hours, I went 24 hours before reintroducing solid food. And I started with fruit and vegetables. I want to say I did some watermelon and some berries and I think blueberries and raspberries and watermelon and like a cucumber, um, maybe a carrot or something. I don't think I did a carrot. That sounds like a little heavy, Um, but it was something like that. And then waited a couple hours and then had a little bit more food and then went to bed and then woke up the next day on the second day I had um, some more fruit and stuff in the morning. And then I think it was like lunch or something like that. So it was probably like, 36 to 40 hours later from, from reintroducing water. Then I had an egg salad. I had some eggs and some greens and I did that for the rest of that day. And then it was the third day. I believe that I reintroduced meat. I can't remember exactly, but I did reintroduce meat, I think on the third day. And um, my biggest takeaway, I would say just as something that, um, you know, really stood out is I definitely, Overconsumed, and it was like in the mind i like oh fruit and sugar was so good and i pro- like i probably wouldn't recommend having fruits right away i would stick more with vegetables um just because i think the sugar like was overstimulating and then i was like oh that's just so good and so hyper palatable at that point because it'd been so long that i was definitely over consuming fruit specifically i had some kombucha as well and some sauerkraut i put probiotics in on that second day along with the the eggs and the the greens and uh then kind of just like started you know after the third day i think i was like back to a normal diet at that point but i would say that was like the biggest takeaway of like reintroducing food is i definitely got too stoked and over consumed after the um the fast was broken and i lost 24 pounds on the fast had no intention of losing weight or that wasn't a goal at all it was purely spiritual purposes for me and uh so I was intending to put the weight back on anyway, because I didn't have that much weight to lose at that point. I was already in good shape doing what I do, living how I live. But it was noteworthy that I gained the 24 pounds back in seven days. And I believe that's just because I overconsumed in that process. And I just got, and that's just one of my old patterns of gluttony and overconsumption and how that shows up in my own personal life as one of my shadows from my childhood and looking at how that showed up then of like the binge purge model, which is really common as well of like the purist to the hedonist, you know, pendulum swing of like, Oh, I'm never going to drink alcohol ever again. And then you get blacked out and you're like, I'm never going to do that again. And same thing, like fasting can be one of those things. Like you said, people binge on McDonald's and they're like, Oh, well to counteract my super shitty lifestyle, I'll do something super extreme healthy, which is actually becomes really unhealthy. And I don't think I went, that far but it was it was more the mental desire of the covetousness 
overconsumption, greed, gluttony kind of feeling of like me want, me want, give it to me, you know, and, and how that played out in just the subtlest way. And that's the beauty of fasting is like when you're running at a 99%, even a dip in one or 2% in your system or like those little subtle thoughts, those quiet little whispers, they're so much louder. And so that was like a big takeaway for me is like just being mindful and that pattern still exists. And it's something I'm still working on is like just being mindful not to overconsume. And when I was in that state, I definitely was like, Ooh, it's so good. Let me get more and more and more. So just being mindful of that. Like it's not necessarily the exact timing of when you're introducing foods, just light to medium to heavy, you know, rather than just going right to the McDonald's steak and fries, like right when you break your fast going to fuck up your GI tract for sure. It's going to be just impossibly hard to digest when you're not producing digestive enzymes and bile and all the things yeah. you're literally, literally, literally shutting that system off, you know? So just being mindful of how you bring it back in and incremental and give it time as you go day to day, listening to the body. Like I think the biggest wisdom from a principal perspective to look at is breaking the fast is not when the fast ends. The fast ends when you're back to completely normal, which is usually two, three, four days later, just like a psychedelic ceremony too. There's this afterglow effect that they talk about where it's like two, three days where there's still medicine in you. There's still this non-ordinary state of consciousness that's functioning. It's not done when the lights turn on after the ceremony. It's like, okay, now integration. First the ecstasy, now the laundry. Can I take all of those beautiful insights and apply them moving forward? Because the whole intent going in is to decondition and recondition a new path, a new way of life, new behavior patterns. And that was one that like, I didn't quite cleave all the way, you know, I still came back and like had a little bit of that, you know, overconsumption mindset. So that was like a big takeaway for me of just being mindful of how I'm reintroducing the food and noting that the fast is really still going on after you break the fast in that sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And if people are doing it for the first time, they're really going to feel that that hunger take over and you really yeah. have to control yourself. You have any maybe tips if you were to redo it or if somebody was reaching that that point, they're breaking a seven day fast and they're just like they're going to eat that fruit and they just won't stop. Like what should they do other than being mindful, maybe separate into like meal portions or something? Yeah, I what I did is I went to the store and bought like all the stuff that I was going to break for the fast for the multiple days. I would almost say only buy the stuff that you're going to eat on the first day. So that way, like if it's not, that's just something like okay, for me that works yeah. well. If it's not in my immediate environment, my animal body, like to like consciously think about, okay, getting in, get in the car, drive to the store. I'm like, okay, no. But if it's in that cupboard over there. I'll fucking go eat it, you know, like, but if it's not in my immediate environment, there's enough of a delay, enough of a boundary of separation there. Where it's like, okay, no, that's right. I'm being conscious about this. So I had everything for like five days, you know, the, the week. And I probably ate it all in like two, three days <laughs> you know, after that. But, um, I would also say I would not start with fruit. I would, I would go the vegetable, just the sh sugar is just too strong. It's too strong in my opinion. So like, cucumbers i mean like a carrot dude is so sweet after something like that you know to to reintroduce that i mean like just water exposure you know like the coconut water like i almost that, that was like nearly an orgasm kind of experience of euphoria taking a shower you know so i think it's just like you know go out in nature fill find ways to nourish yourself beyond the food and like be aware that you're hypersensitive so things are going to like really trigger that like 
dopamine hit where it was like i was just like watermelon oh and ate like the whole watermelon you know so i would start with like cucumbers you know maybe like lower gi index you know foods that don't have as much sugar in them just so i'm not like injecting myself with a massive dose of dopamine yeah i agree that's something that um like if i'm sure you've read a bunch of articles while you were dry fasting and you probably looked into like dr filinov and a bunch of different things uh, but all these people, they um, promote having fruit in the beginning. Um, I guess just not overconsume. But this is the the thing that I've been thinking about, and I think a lot of people have as well, is is sugar, should we really stay off of that sugar in the beginning? Because sugar is a carb, and carbs are the simplest thing for our body to digest, the simplest macronutrient. So it makes sense when our digestive system is just coming off to have sugars. But how much is too much? And mm. Are vegetables a better solution? Maybe a steamed vegetable or a vegetable juice, mm -hmm. as opposed to just too much sugar. But yeah, that's mm -hmm. something to think about. And I—that's where I lean towards now—is like a broth or a soup where the vegetables have been cooked and something. Like for example, for this retreat, it's not as much of a fasting focus, but the plan is to have like a broth soup after the ceremony to give the nourishment and have those carbohydrates on supply but it's more of the savory uh, rather than the sweet you know so it like provides nourishment but doesn't like stimulate the dragon as much to like just want to dominate you know and over consume i totally agree i would say less sugar is better at first just from personal experience like having that it just is really hard to control at least for me personally and um you know i think it's just a lot for the system right away yeah for sure well, I think that we're going to end it here. This is a, a great interview. I want to thank you so much for uh, for being the first one and for giving us so much great insight. Can you uh, just tell people how to contact you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, of course. Uh, Kempf Fitness Professional is my personal training brand name. You can find me kfitnesspro.com. Uh, just as a, a basic website page. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about my training services, you can apply there. I'm currently running a men's holistic health, fitness, and uh, yoga meditation coaching program. It's called henosisfoundations.com. Henosis is the ancient Greek word for universal oneness. And so it really is like that idea of like we're trying to um, – dissolve the self, unlearn and, and detach from the ego. So that way we can, we can reach higher states of consciousness through a lot of these tools and means. So he knows foundations.com is the men's coaching program and in-person retreat that I run out here on Maui. We have an online community in a, a private members group where I post content and everybody engages and communicates. And then I run, um, you know, each person's individual training program through my training app through K Fitness Pro. So if you're interested in online personal training or nutrition coaching or learning more about uh, fasting, you can check out kfitnesspro.com and apply for a free call with me and we can talk and uh, see if you're a good fit, what questions you have. If you're interested in my men's coaching program, henosisfoundations.com is where you can go to learn more about that. And just follow me on Instagram at Thor, T-H-O-R underscore Kempf, my last name, K-E-M-P-F. And uh, you can connect with me there, follow along. All right, great. And I'll also put some links to your dry fasting videos uh, on YouTube if people cool. want to look at that. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show.
Yeah. Thank you so much for the interview, man. This was great. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye, everybody.